Welcome to the Two Strangers, One NFT Podcast. I'm your co-host, Quesarito. And I'm Omega. How you doing today, Omega? Yeah, I'm good, man. I'm good. The British weather is still scorching me alive. Yeah, there's another uh, sweaty podcast today. It's so sweaty. It's so sweaty. <laughs> and the thing is, because I have to turn my air, condi- air conditioning unit off to do this, otherwise it picks up on my mic. Oh, I, uh, oh. I'm super sweaty by the, by the time we're done. But it's all good, man. How, how, okay. How's things? How's your, how's your shoulder? Oh, dude, it's, 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 it's going. So uh, I, I had a surgery last Thursday, basically reattached my bicep tendon from my shoulder to the bone. And uh, I definitely underestimated how much it would be affecting my workflow in life in general. But we're making do. I'm learning how to be left-handed now. So uh, it's a uh, good skill building, I guess. <laughs> so what, what happens when you uh, lift too heavy in the gym? Uh, I wish it was that cool, but uh, let's <laughs> let's go with that. I was just getting too many gains and my body couldn't handle. <laughs> but anyways, uh, so today uh, we want to talk about uh, branding, yes? Yeah, absolutely. I thought it'd be quite interesting to, to skirt around the topic of what makes good branding for an NFT, um, kind of why branding is, is so important in our space. Um, and then even potentially like some successful rebrands, right? We've seen yes. projects that have started off um, as as one thing, and then slowly changing their brand to to, to be something else, and, and and for the better, and, and sometimes for the worse. Yeah, it sounds great because uh, I've I've been out of the NFT space for about a year, so it'd be interesting to see how things changed. I know that uh, D Gods was an example that you wanted to talk about, and. For those guys, I remember them being at eight Solana, and now they're trading for like ten to fifteen k each. So yeah, overall, an outline for today that hopefully we'll get to would be uh, talking about the importance of good branding in the NFT space. Talk about a few projects like the Gods, Board Apes, and Clanosaurus, and then roll that into successful rebranding for uh, real world examples because that's something I'm more familiar with, and just having it from the perspective of the average person and um, all that stuff. Yeah, absolutely, and I think branding is so important with with anything, right? I mean, if you if you look at real world examples, um, like the most successful businesses in the world, everybody knows their name, everybody knows their jingle, everyone can picture their logo, and ultimately, that is what's going to decide on a consumer basis when you're walking through the supermarket if you're going to pick Kellogg's. Evanesley or whatever it may be, because you you recognise Tony Tiger on the box or or, or whatnot, right? True. And yeah, I, I think that's it's ever so important in any NFT space as as well, because I think people are, are very guilty of kind of this gold rush mentality with the NFT and, and token space, trying to create something, throw it out there, and and unfortunately, kind of the branding gets lost in 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 the background. And it's interesting to see how just by having a better logo or slightly well thought out name or, or something like that can really make a, a difference to a project. Yeah. And I, I think a lot of that also ties into not just, uh, I obviously like the logos and everything, but also kind of the reputation and the thoughts that any person immediately starts thinking about um, when you hear or see like their name. Because you brought up Nestle, and my initial 
gut reaction whenever I hear about Nestle is like, you know, evil corporation that steals water from little villages. <laughs> so it's like, you know, if we're talking about branding and rebranding, you know, Nestle, and I think they already know this and do it, but like hide who they are <laughs> under other shell companies with better brands so that they still get their business, even though it's Nestle secretly owns all the food in the world. <laughs> Oh, absolutely, absolutely, and even even kind of like Starbucks and a Tesco or, or something like that, in especially in the UK, kind of in local villages where they don't want a big brand name. What that brand mm-hmm. does is they just buy the local coffee shop, leave the name as Mum and Dad's Coffee Limited or whatever, mm-hmm. um, but actually it's owned by this big corporation pumping out their coffee and, and, and bits and pieces. So I guess you're right. You have two kind of spectrums that are brand. One is the big parent company brand that everyone knows or loves and, and potentially hates like a, a Nestle. I have the same kind of gut feeling as, as you, mm-hmm. but equally maintaining and hiding behind other more locally known brands um, to, to kind of still still maintain that success. Yeah, that's 100% true, actually. Uh, I, so I actually used to work at a coffee shop back in my teenage, early college days. Uh, it was for Pete's Coffee. And they ended up getting uh, bought out by another company. Um, and then that company ended up buying like Caribou Coffee or something like that. So like it's all owned by like this bigger private corporation entity thing. But then, yeah, they use that same strategy where... Um, you know, they they use the Peach brand, they use the Caribou Coffee brand, and they use all these other coffee shop companies, and then use their goodwill and good reputation to fill their own coffers, so to speak. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And I think this is, it would be interesting to see as kind of NFTs and, and crypto progresses if we start seeing that kind of monopolizing of brands swallowing up other brands, but maintaining them, and to kind of have that different market reach out there because. I, I think a brand is only as successful as, as the people it can target, right? Not every brand is is designed to sell to everybody. So like, I don't know, Kellogg's targets children because it's full mm. of sugar. They have funny characters on their cereal boxes and, and, mm. and whatnot. Right. Whereas if they want adults to buy something, it's more, more down the health route and, and whatnot. And I think it would be really mm. interesting to see if somebody like a Bored Apes Yacht Club who have tons of money in the bank or you'd, you'd hope so unless they spend it all on on yachts potentially mm-hmm. buying somebody out like a decot to add them to their brand because they target a different sector of earthly nft space or a different chain or or whatnot but it's still ultimately owned by that that one conglomerate wow yeah i, sh- I didn't even think about that where nft projects themselves become these kind of secret mega corporations hiding behind other brands or not hiding but you know what i mean yeah, yeah so no, absolutely. absolutely, absolutely. But so we, we've all seen NFTs for a long time now. We've all played in crypto and, and, and stuff for a long time. I mean, what do you think makes some of these brands stand out and, and what to you at first glance makes a good brand? In this yeah, sense? yeah. I guess I'd be the perfect specimen for that. <laughs> I guess like patient zero. Because, uh, I mean, I'll give you my initial thoughts. Like when I think of De Gods. I remember them being eight Solana. They were just another one. That was when Catalina Wales was a big deal. Um, I forget who was big at the time. But then I come back a year later, and now D-Gods is at 10 to 15K. And then when I think of Bored Ape Yachts Clubs, I think of, um, if I remember correctly, that's the one where celebrities and whatnot, like Steve Aoki and 
Justin Bieber or whatever were paying millions of dollars for one. Oh yeah, man! So that, that's Super the one. Did something at the Super Bowl with it. Um, mm. Yeah, they're like board board ape or, or BAYC have have done a great job in, in that celebrity endorsement space. Yeah, so when I think of Dig Odds, I think of massive transitions, very bold moves, very lucky people who are normal ass. Oh, sorry, <laughs> just normal everyday dads sitting in their computers at home um, and becoming millionaires overnight. I think of Board Ape Yacht Club as like the celebrity, fancy multi-billionaire people, um, and I know nothing about Clanosaurus. <laughs> you know, know nothing about Clanosaurus, oh man! So I know nothing. Clanos are super interesting because I think they're becoming well. Well, they're, I mean, they're sixty sold floor plus or something at the moment. They have got various NFT collections. I mean, their their endorsement and their branding is all around kind of this very cutesy. Um, 3D modeled dinosaurs or clay dinosaurs, they're all made out of, of clay, right? Mm-hmm. Um, they're all very kind of emotive in in the way they walk, in the way they, they look, and a lot of their animators are very famous animators who have worked on some, some real high-profile stuff. So, um, I mean, they, they kind of have this reputation of excellence, Right, if you look at their CVs and they're all kind of doxxed, you can go on their LinkedIn profiles and whatnot and, and, and see what they've worked on. But mm. their brand and image is is very much, in my opinion, targeting children. Um, they've got a mobile game out. It, it really kind of feels like um, Angry oh. Birds, you know, yeah. like or like a, maybe think of a Roblox. Actually, it at least sounds similar in my mind. Yeah, it's kind of all, all of that 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 same image, um, kind of very familiar when you you see it, kind of like minions, right? You 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 see a minion, and you can immediately relate to how that minion feels. Oh, like Despicable That's, Me kind of minions. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and you can kind of hear the minion in your head when you see it. It's that kind of branding. Mm-hmm. Clayno's is 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 kind of definitely going down, down down that route in in my opinion. Huh, um, that's interesting. But I think the the evolution of the D Gods branding is 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 very cool. I mean, when it first came out, kind of that thirty three club, right? And it was when it was a paper hand tax that they were looking to first implement, where they would tax you the thirty three percent tax if you sold below floor. Um, mm. And so it was quite a clever and one of the first times we had seen something like that um, in in the ecosystem. But then actually what they've done is they've taken kind of this season's route, uh, kind of if you think like a Fortnite game or, or any other shooting game where it's like season one, season two, season three, and it gives them that unique opportunity to essentially rebrand. And, and I think Goz was one of the first um, NFT collections, at least in Solana, that kind of went, okay, let's hit that rebrand button in, in the form of a full art upgrade, a change in their logo. Um, suddenly they were... I, the, the guy literally took off his mask and, and doxed himself in oh, um, public-facing events um, and kind of really opened themselves up to to the world. And again, they were one of the mm. first projects to do that. And it was cool, right? Um, yeah. I think everybody gets the vibe, in my opinion, that the D-Gods brand is cool. And that's yeah. what they yeah, have. Think, yeah, and I think that I, well, what, what, what comes to my mind, I'm thinking is, well, all that stuff, what it really does is it, it builds trust essentially with the brand. And that, I mean, trust is like the foundation for all successful 
projects in my mind. And that's one thing that I always kind of felt weird about in the NFT space um, when I was heavy into all that flipping and all that stuff was uh, a lot of uh, founders and whatnot wouldn't want to get doxxed for various reasons, of course, you know, maybe there's security issues, corporate issues, whatever. But it's interesting to see that Degas was uh, the founder and the doxing himself and revealing who he was. And I, I think being able to go into people's LinkedIn profiles to see who these people really are definitely helps build a lot of trust and faith into a project. Yeah, absolutely. absolutely. I, I think there's there's a time and a place and the type of people that, that should be doxxed and others where it, it doesn't matter. Like if you're coding something and you're the lead developer for something, do they really need to know who, who you are? Now, if you're the lead developer for Blizzard and you're opening an NFT collection, it's probably worthwhile for the brand and reputation, right? Yeah. Like, hey, look, I'm the developing developer for Blizzard or, 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 or whatnot. Yeah, but I mean, if true. you're just some other guy making a project, then then, then probably not. But people like yourselves and, and, and me, um, yeah. public speaking and, and spaces and, and, and bits and pieces, um, it's, it's, I think it's less of an issue, right? Our, our personal brand is who we are, our voices, and, and that sort of thing. So it makes sense to, mm-hmm. to docs. But uh, I think bringing it back to, to the branding, you, you touched on a, a really interesting point there about valuing long-term relationships kind of and again if we look at the d-god space kind of that's definitely where they they help build their brand is valuing that long-term relationship over the short-term sales their whole vision was like the framework was don't sell Mm -hmm. and if you do we're going to tax you guys and we're going to pump it back into the community through various various methods and I think for them, kind of understanding the value of, of meeting their, their kind of consumer bases, emotional needs, was this, how do I become cool? Mm-hmm. And maybe I'm being very stereotypical because I know there's lots of, <laughs> lots of different types of people in the NFT space, crypto space. But I mean, if you, if, if you were to speak to the, the, the general public, they probably picture that South Park guy aside his computer, you're kind mm-hmm. of leaning to one side, tapping the keyboard, playing World of Warcraft. That, 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 oh, that. yeah, I remember that guy. <laughs> That's 100% and, the image of uh, NFT and crypto people uh, I have in my uh, mind half the time. Yeah, <laughs> just sweaty neckbeards, right? I sweaty think. neckbeards. Uh-huh. Like and, and I know that's, that's not true, but it's probably a lot of people behind the glass when they're, they're on their monitor that go, I want to be cool. And mm-hmm. that is exactly the ethos that the God pumped out is, we're really cool. This is going to be great. Like, come with us for the ride. And then kind of when that pinnacle of success was happening, that big face reveal of, I'm just another one of you guys. And I think mm-hmm. given the type of person that Frank looks like and, and kind of is it, it kind of exploded even more because then everyone was like you are just another one of us now he's not a sweaty mm-hmm. neckbeard but yeah. he also wasn't this multi-millionaire business person he was just another dude yeah uh, kind of like it was inspiring like, yeah it was in, inspiring absolutely and their whole brand to me is all all around that long-term relationships and, and kind of meeting that emotional need of being cool yeah, um, I'm not one person to do this necessarily, but if you were to hand me a baseball cap with different brands of NFTs on, I could bet your bottom dollar I'm probably going to wear a D-Gods hat over a mutant ape. <laughs> right. You know, that's like a, yeah, that's an interesting thought, actually. Kind of a branding as a form of fulfilling people's emotional needs, which is 
weird at first glance, but when you think about it, it's very real, actually. I never thought about it that way. <laughs> oh, 100%. In, in ignoring the taste of the product, if you were stood in a bar and I handed you a Pepsi or a Coke, like, which one are you going to pick mm. up? Yeah. I would, oh, I would yeah. Coke because the Coke looks cooler. Yeah, no, or just the identity too. Like I'm thinking alcohol, like, oh, are you a whiskey person or are you a vodka person? You know, are you a, a Tito's handmade vodka or are you like a Smirnoff raspberry party girl? Like, and it's kind of tied to the branding in a way. Absolutely, absolutely. And this is why it is so important for people who are creating new projects before they do anything is go, who are we going to be? What is the image we want to portray? What need are we filling in the market? And I'm not talking about a product to solve a problem. Uh, yes, that's super important. It's very rare that you're going to get a product off the ground or project off the ground just because your art's fancy. Um, mm-hmm. It is, it is that, that utility. But the first tweet you ever send sets the tone for your whole project moving forwards. Yeah. Yeah, it's kind of like almost like, a, I don't know, I guess relating it to, it feels almost like a, kind of juvenile high school, you know, which, which cool kids club do you belong into? You know, are you, <laughs> yeah. Are you the hardcore sweaty finance wall street nerds? Are you guys like the, you know, hipstery theater types or whatever? <laughs> like, and then that's kind of your uh, initial target market, I suppose, or like your uh, projects base, I guess. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And, and I think it's impossible to launch a successful business project, whatever it is, without knowing your brand's own identity. Mm-hmm. Because then how, if you don't have a brand and you don't have an identity, then what values are you living by and, and, and kind of promoting? How do you know what your strengths are? How do you know how to compare to your competitors? Which, which kind of target audience are you approaching? Yeah. Um, what makes you different? What absolutely. What what makes you different to the next NFT project? I mean, you only have to go to Magic Eden, and there's like ten thousand on there, right? Yeah, and more every single day. And more every single day. Yeah, it's crazy. Yeah, and I, I guess in a way, it's like um, yeah, I've got some thoughts racing, <laughs> but uh, see, I just blanked out. Sorry. <laughs> Yeah, that's cool. I mean, if we, if we look at another real world example, kind of McDonald's, right? There's kind of two ways they're having to to rebrand themselves. I mean, when they first came out in the 80s or something, and it was one of the first fast food places and rollerblading chicks through the restaurant and, and stuff. Mm-hmm. But as you kind of move through the 90s and into the, to the year 2000s, then they were slowly losing their grip on the market because it looked run down it felt run down it wasn't new and shiny anymore mm-hmm. and then yeah. if you compare them to today like all of their stores are super high tech i don't know about in the states but all there's no people that work in the uk mcdonald's anymore apart mm-hmm. from the people in the kitchen it's all all, all tv screens and touch screens and stuff oh yeah they're kind Completely of modernized. kind of a lot more healthy this is a kind of another rebrand they're having to go through yeah you can pick the double cheeseburger the big mac the royal cheese or whatever it may be but actually mm-hmm. you can now get your salads or there's a lot more salad in all the burgers and, and yeah promoting that healthy living yeah like when you think of a mcdonald's or just i mean there's a lot more like fast food in the, in the u.s obviously but it's like 
what I'm kind of seeing is oh, they're going from like these 80s, 90s, bigger is better, you know, triple cheeseburger with extra cheese and bacon and, you know, whatever you want on top of it. And now it's like, hey, sustainably grown Impossible Burger, computer screens, uh, you can get it delivered through Uber Eats now and the super high tech and modern kind of changing with the times almost. I guess you can say that's kind of a the root of a successful rebranding, I would say. Yeah, absolutely. It's definitely about having your your finger on the pulse, and it comes from a from a wider business perspective. Like the the ecological side of things, everyone cares about the planet, and probably within the last two years, I think you'd have to be a real idiot not to notice that all Mm -hmm. of the brands now will tell you how good they are for the environment. Right. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Like, oh, 2% of all our revenues plant trees in the Sahara Desert. And, you know, look at all these children that we're saving and recyclable cups. And, but they promote it. It's becoming part of their brand of like Mm -hmm. drink our coffee and, you know, you can recycle it. Whereas look at our competitor, it's still plastic straws. Yeah. And they are only small things. But if you stood in front of two different shops and you're like, oh, actually, yeah, it's quite nice knowing that my cup of coffee instead of going to a landfill is going to feed a tree, you know? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. To, to to the other store. Yeah, because my question would be, you know, are these corp- corporations, you know, for real? Like, I'm thinking Amazon, you know, buying out Whole Foods and whatnot. And it's like, do they really care about all this cool stuff they're doing, or is this just part of a rebranding strategy? Oh, or maybe that's being too cynical. <laughs> I mean, if we want to put our tinfoil hats on, and I think we can talk <laughs> talk about corporate ethos on a on a whole other topic. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, yeah. I think the right companies care. I think the other companies figure out ways to make it look like they care. And again, copying the cool guys. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but I think it's no secret. You can sell your CO2 footprint and off- offload it and all this other stuff to other countries, other corporations and, and, and bits and pieces to make it, make it look better. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah. We, yeah. we can talk about CO2 offsetting and, and, and corporate ethos another time. Yeah, exactly. Look at our sustainably made plastic water bottles. It's like, guys, if you really cared, you'd stop selling plastic water bottles and just sell the, you know, cans. <laughs> like, yeah. Stuff yeah, like absolutely. that. Oh, yeah, we, we, we could definitely do a tinfoil hat episode about all that. <laughs> but uh, the next note I, I see on here, we're talking about... Uh, lego and meta branding almost i think we kind of touched on this a little bit earlier of corporations adopting other brands but that was a more cynical approach and i would say for lego adopting other brands is more of a uh, mutual benefit kind of it helps everyone out oh yeah absolutely so many many years ago probably when i was a a child some 30 years ago maybe even before that mm-hmm. egos had thousands of different types of blocks it was very much a build anything use your imagination and do whatever you want now i don't know if if you've experienced this now you can have as many games on your computer as what but if you have too many choices then you end up doing nothing mm. Yeah, and I'm, you kind I'm of guilty of that for sure. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And the direction that Lego took as part of their kind of overall rebrand and, and strategy was they they cut like their bricks in half, not not physically, but the amount of different shapes and stuff they they cut in half, and then they moved into this kind of meta branding, like you said, of Lego is every brand in the world. 
you mm-hmm. can go to a Lego store and you can buy an Aston Martin. You could buy a Harry Potter collection. You could buy a Star Wars, Star Trek. You want JCB Digger, you got it, kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And it's yeah. all backed by yeah. Lego. Yeah, but kind of Lego... making it. Oh, sorry, go <laughs> No, I was just going to say, like, Lego is no longer a singular brand, but a means to interact with other brands. Mm-hmm. It, it, it's kind of my thought. Yeah, it kind of evolved to a thing where uh, you're not, you don't exist until you have a Lego collection made about your world, like Lord of the Rings and Harry Potter and, and all that stuff. <laughs> yeah, it's absolutely the pinnacle. It's, 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 yeah, it's like having a knighthood for the toy world. Yeah, exactly. It's like, you know, you've made it when you have a Lego collection. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I, th- I think it's, I think it's interesting that they, they, they kind of went down that route. And I mean, even if you go to Lego World or, or whatever we've got one here in the UK, I don't know if there's any abroad. It's still very much branded, mm-hmm. like all over the place, and kind of the Disney oh, ships. And, yeah, I grew up in a Carlsbad, Encinitas, like northern San Diego area, and they have a Legoland right there. And so a lot of my friends from high school and whatnot would work at Legoland, and hundred percent, like all the roller coasters and all the things. It's all that bright childlike but also complex engineering like really uh speaking out to the inner nerd in you and uh people who love tetris <laughs> <laughs> you know and then you just go to this place and it's all this stuff everywhere and it's just kind of cool to see yeah it is it's is good stuff but um i mean the thing I mean, it's just popped into my head i mean if you you think of minecraft as well mm, uh, when microsoft yeah. bought them out they've got exactly the same route as oh. Lego, really, it's brands within within brand, um, mm-hmm. and and I think this there's an interesting question of is my branding measurable and and would it provide an ROI to a business? And I I think Lego and in Minecraft have kind of hit the nail on the head of going, well, I'm using my brand to lure in other brands, and absolutely it's measurable. And yes, it would absolutely provide a return on investment because I'm selling the hell out of all of these other brands mm-hmm. within my game or, or kind of physical game of, of, of Lego. Yeah. So I, I guess in a way, it's kind of like uh, utilizing your brand for developing business partnerships, essentially. Yeah, absolutely. Ab- yeah. Absolutely. I'll have to or, admit, I had no idea that Microsoft bought out Minecraft. That was news to me. <laughs> yeah, they bought them for like three point two billion or something. So when so Notch Notch release, so Notch is the original developer um, from from Mojang, and this is where my inner nerd comes out. So he released a tweet years and years and years ago. I, I think this was must have been like five plus years ago, saying he'll never sell Mojang. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I think Microsoft or somebody called him out and said, "Well, how much for?" And he went, "Give me a billion, and it's all yours." And then, like a year later, they went, "How about three? And he, was like, yeah. he was like, "Yep, done." Yeah, it's like, all right, my principles do matter, but at the same time, it's three billion dollars. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that was his number. Well, Mojang was only like a development studio of six people. Wow, really? Oh, six yeah, people like, made Minecraft. Well, I guess yeah, it makes sense. Six people could easily make Minecraft, but wow! Yeah, and Dang, it takes I- a whole corporation to ruin it. <laughs> yeah <laughs> to be fair i've never played minecraft it was uh too complicated for me when i first started and to be fair every time i got friends who wanted me to play minecraft i was already drunk to start with so maybe that had something to do with it <laughs> but yeah that would be an interesting case study on its own of just a successful startup 
would just be the story of Minecraft and how to go from six people in your mother's basement to selling the company for $3 billion to Microsoft. Just having yeah. fun and making a cool game. It's I probably think I one of the few companies in the world that hasn't done it off of the back of their mummy and daddy's money, you mm -hmm. know, or a blood diamond mine somewhere or, <laughs> or, or something like that. Yeah. Yeah, that's, that's, that's true. And um, I guess where it all stems from for branding wise is just starting off with a small base of six people. And this is who we are. This is what we're building. This is what we're all about. And we would love to connect with all the other businesses and part, make all these partnerships to do something cool and fun or whatever is according to the brand, which in Minecraft's case was cool, fun, childish, but also really complex, nerdy stuff underlying it all. Yeah, absolutely. It was it was digital Legos, right? <laughs> yeah, pretty yeah. much. Yeah. I mean, they, but interestingly, this is where they weren't the first. So Minecraft was inspired by Infiniminer. Mm. So you could argue why was Infiniminer not as successful as Minecraft? And this is where that brand differential comes in because bring it back to NFTs. I mean, you could have two exact same collections run by two different people. The art could be identical in every way, and yet one will absolutely destroy the other one in terms of success based on the brand in which they build on, on their image. Yeah. I guess that begs the question then, uh, what, what makes a brand? Well, yeah, I, I, I exactly. love the idea of brand differential. I think that's a great term, the brand differential. Yeah. <laughs> yeah I, I, I think that what makes a brand, I mean, yes, you can break it down to its fundamentals of it's a name, it's a logo, it's a caption, it's a product. Um, without those things, you have nothing, right? Yeah. But and, I'm thinking Okay. But it's, I was going to say it's 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 a it's much more than that, and you called it out earlier. It's that emotional connection. Yes, to your yeah. Because I was immediately thinking about all these like uh, Chinese startups where they literally steal Apple logos and whatnot, and they have yeah. all that fancy stuff—the logos, the brand, the money—but it has no soul, so it dies. <laughs> oh yeah, and I and I think it's really really telling in the nft space when you've been around it as long as as, as i have in in the last couple of years you can step into a project uh, project even and you're just like okay this is a rug pull or yeah. okay you only care about the money or or, or something now unfortunately 90 percent of the successful projects kind of that you're going to make your, your bang for your buck on are those projects because they're all hype driven and stuff. But mm -hmm. if you look at the top 10 collections on Magic Eden, so Mutant Ape, Bored Ape, uh, Yazuki, D Gods, CryptoPunks, and so on, they're all long term value driven projects. Mm -hmm. and, and, and kind of they, those are the ones that have focused building on, on their brand, but ultimately they have that emotional connection, right? Yeah. Yeah, that's very true. I mean, it's very easy to make a lot of money in this space just, you know, with all the bells and whistles, but it is very true. It's kind of like the Web3 NFT space is kind of turning into a, where the Discord is like walking into a room and you can almost immediately catch a vibe of what it's like, what's going on. Like I can go into some discords and be like, okay, this is like a dead project. Like no one cares. No one's about this anymore. Or this is all just a bunch of DGENs who are looking to make a quick buck. Or, oh, hold up, this is something real. This is something big. Like, you know, it's like a kind of an atmosphere almost, even though it's not a physical room, it's like a digital room, but there is something to be said about 
you know, what atmosphere is created as soon as you step into a Discord server? On 100%. 100% you can feel that. But uh, I think it's a real shame that the the space in a whole seems to, yes, we are subconsciously pushed in a direction through clever branding. And now are these successful projects deliberately targeting clever branding? I think some of them are like the D gods, board apes, guys, they clearly have a brand. I think others are just lucky, like CryptoPunks were just one of the first. Mm-hmm. They will always be called, they're very basic, but they are just what, what they are. Mm-hmm. But I think it's a real shame that this space is people aren't valuing value, if that mm-hmm. makes sense within within a project. You have teams of people building really in- innovative stuff. I mean, if you take the Genesis Go guys who built the, the Super Shadowy Coda collection oh, and, and yeah. Shadow Token. I mean, they raised something like fifty million dollars in their yeah. ICO, and that That's was crazy. after they had already fully minted. Now, I was fortunate enough to have a whole bunch of those things. And, oh, and so was, lucky! I was, was thinking happy payday, but yeah. like I was looking at them today, and they, I mean, they were selling at one hundred and fifty sold to two hundred sold. They're now two sold each. Wow, and yet these these guys raised fifty million. They've not stopped building. They've got their shadow drive, which is doing incredible things around reducing latency and, and reducing costs in the Solana chain. And yet they're nowhere to be seen as a project. And arguably, they they're the guys that are running a business. They hold they prop up the whole infrastructure mm-hmm. of Solana. Yeah, like it's like, why is secretly nobody... running Solana? <laughs> yeah, like why is nobody? diving into these things and yeah. valuing that value and utility driven projects. Yeah. Well, I can, I can speak to that as just like a normal person. Cause I stumbled in, I think it was, I first learned about shadowy supercoders in like November, 2021, I believe was the time frame. And I remember going to that discord and I had the money. I was going to buy a couple and that was when they were trading like 10 K each. And I was like, should I do it? Ah, it's just one or two. I might be too late. But I was like, all right, I'll jump in the server and see. And I went in and it just felt like a very exclusive club. Um, it 100% felt like it was dev and tech driven. It was a bunch of nerds who knew really high level stuff that I knew nothing about. I was learning about you know, validators and all these crazy things that they were doing. It sounded super huge and fancy. And that's exactly what it turned into. But as far as branding and culture... Uh, there was basically kind of nothing there. It felt very exclusive, not transparent. In my view, I could be wrong, but the rooms I had access to, the way the mods kind of talked to people, it was kind of talking down like, oh, you're not one of the cool kids. You're trying to get in. You're trying to be one of the cool kids, but you're not kind of <laughs> feeling. I'm like, uh, yeah, I don't think this is worth 10 grand right now. <laughs> that is, I mean, that is a great example of a project that has got their branding wrong mm-hmm. because they didn't cater for the message. You're absolutely right. I went into the Discord today, had to revalidate my wallet and stuff. And I was like, holy smokes, this is still full of nerds and none of this makes sense. Yeah. Like there are coding channels or all this sort of stuff. And I'm just kind of, I still hold mine. So I was lucky enough. I minted 15 of the damn things. Oh. And I still hold them to this day. Yeah. I, collected, I, I, I staked them for the full 12 months and yes, I did sell the head out of shadow. So you can blame me for some of the price dropping on that, but mm-hmm. yeah, you gotta even, take profits even, every now and then. Uh, absolutely. Absolutely. But even 
even being a holder, I don't know. I'll never sell them unless they go to crazy price again. There's, there's, there's no point now. But I've, I have zero interest in looking at what they're doing because I just don't understand it. Yeah, yeah. And I think it's just the, uh, one of the big issues I see in the NFT crypto Web3 space is you have these really good developers doing amazing, impactful things, but they're missing that emotional kind of aspect, that kind of sense of, unless it's kind of awkward, but intimacy within a community. And I think it maybe that's what makes a successful NFT project is being able to develop that emotional intimacy tied with a really good technical use case underlying it. I mean, if we look at Lego, you know, I think that's what really ties it all together, right? Minecraft, Lego, um, the gods, board apes, they have a really technical, impressive base with this level of emotional intimacy that's fulfilling people's, you know, social needs, essentially. Yeah, no, absolutely. Absolutely. I agree with you on, on that. And I, I think the, the final question on on this topic really is, is that something you can artificially create? Or do you just have to be lucky enough to be that kind of team that self-generates that emotion? Yeah, I, I think it just needs people to be kind of real with each other, I guess, in a way, open, transparent, like Frank doing a face reveal saying, I'm one of you guys, we're all just normal people here. And really uh, giving that sense of belonging with a brand. I mean, it's kind of awkward. Like <laughs> I buy Kellogg's cereal and I'm fulfilling an emotional need or I buy a, a, a bottle of a, or a drink of Jameson because I'm feeling Irish and, and uh, <laughs> rambunctious. <laughs> like, but it's so true. It's so true. Like everything we do is an emotional need and, and that brand matches that mm. right like uh, i i don't know like even looking down i think i used the keyboard thing in a couple of episodes ago but look your keyboard like I've, I've got a corsair with loads of rgb lights because oh, me too <laughs> rgbs are cool and yes like, i'm a pc gamer it's cool but that's the and i'm emotionally connected to my keyboard so much so that i will change the lights depending on how i'm feeling yes I'm the exact same way. I got Corsair <laughs> keyboard. I've got Corsair RAM. And it's because they had cool RGB lights. And it's the same as any other. It does the same job. But like that coolness factor, that emotional factor did make the difference in my personal purchases, even though it made zero logical sense. <laughs> yeah, charge me that premium baby for those flashing lights. <laughs> 100%. I mean, it's doing the same job. It logically makes sense to do the cheaper one. But I, I yeah. God, this took a weird turn, man. I was not expecting this <laughs> topic to go this direction, but yeah. it's 100% true. Yeah. So if we were to to throw something out to our audience and for anyone that's making a project or, or, or anything, I think I would say the key takeaway is try and understand the emotional impact you're looking to bring to the community and stick to it. Yes, and I, I would I would say, you know, know who your people are and know how to take care of their kind of social and intimate emotional needs. Doesn't have to be too crazy, but uh, simple stuff can go a long way. Wow, yeah, this went deep, deep, dude. Yeah, so deep, so deep. And right at the forty minute mark, I think we're at our max cap of what we want to do our episodes for. <laughs> yeah. 100%. Well, I'm looking forward to next week because we are going to be talking about ordinals, inscriptions, Bitcoin, funny chain related stuff. 
Yes. It's all new, it's all shiny. I'm going to have to do a lot of research. I'm, I'm looking forward to it. It's going to be great. Yes. It's going to be a lot. And I know nothing about it, but it's definitely the huge buzzword. And it looks like it's already the next big thing or becoming the next big thing. But yeah, I'm looking forward to diving deep into that with you next week, man. Yeah, perfect. All sounds, right. sounds cool. We'll play that for you. Yeah. And, and I'm going to go with Quesarito. And we'll see you next time. See you next week.